0: Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. As one who prides truth very highly on the totem pole, (laughs) I have to speak out in support of truth and against lies and fallacies, and sometimes really to my own detriment. When when it comes to things of the Bible, the importance to understanding truth is ever heightened. It's one of the reasons why when I was a youth pastor, I took a stand when it came to watering down the word and watering down the Bible. Um, my own district, my own pastor that I was supposed to be um, underneath uh, the ministry of the, the, the all of the youth pastors in the district had had a a pastor that was head over them, and this particular one decided that it was best to w- go ahead and water down the Bible and make it so that that uh, those that that uh, weren't uh, churched and weren't um, uh, Christians uh, would be uh, more accepting of it, and and of course the message can be changed, but the actual word itself cannot. And so when uh, he went ahead and said, you know what, this is how you need to do sermons. You you need to, and he presented a sermon that was entirely uh, of one message. And that message was that he loved coffee. Now he can love coffee all he wants. And I can have a conversation with you about how I myself don't like coffee, but but it, that does not help me in my relationship with Christ. And so uh, that was something that I had to take a stand on when it, be- when it became very obvious that these were things that were not very biblical. And so the truth is something that needs to be stood up for. Well, since its beginnings in the first century, the church has faced very... R- resistance from the surrounding culture and and challenges to the gospel. Recently, a new challenge has actually emerged, and that is wokeness, or the state of being woke. Now, Merriam-Webster identifies woke as a slang term, meaning being aware of and actively uh, attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. Now, on the surface, wokeness might sound like, like seeking justice and, and showing concern for the weak and oppressed. Things the Bible urges us to do, of course. If if you look at Isaiah 1:17, learn to do good, seek justice correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. I mean all of that sounds like what we should be doing know what the, the de- very definition of wokeness, right? Uh, how about uh, Micah 6:8? He has told you, oh man, what is good? and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness? And to walk humbly with your god that all sounds like we should be woke that sounds like wokeness is something that is very biblical if if we are to stand on the side of justice however wokeness often embraces theologies and ideologies inconsistent with or really even hostile to the bible many well-intentioned christians out of, really, I think, a desire to be compassionate, a desire to be accepting, and and even uh, a desire to be loving, are succumbing to the cultural pressure to conform to woke ideology, likely really unaware of the unbiblical tendencies that are there. Well, Owen Stratton, he's the Family Research Council's senior fellow for biblical worldview in in his new book, Christianity and Wokeness, how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel, he says, wokeness means to be awake and in tune with the prevailing zeitgeist. And what's a zeitgeist? That's the defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. So do you understand that that it is what what everybody is is in tune with, what everybody is um, sensitive to at the time? It's it's the mood, it's the of that that particular period, the, the the spirit of that particular time in history. Well, critical race theory or CRT, which sees society as a as an intentional uh, system of power structures meant to. Oppress others based on their skin color is currently the most well-known example of woke ideology. CRT uh, purports that white privilege is at the root of social justice issues and must be eradicated. So, so we need to get rid of this big white privilege monster out there that's rooted in our society. Now, the 21st century American church has been both passively and actively incorporating woke ideology into their institutions and practices. Some Christians have started apologizing for and repenting of their whiteness. Often these actions are prefaced with the the proposal that we should change the gospel to fit the woke ideology so that brothers and sisters of color will be more comfortable in the church. It's kind of the same thing as uh, what I was fighting back years ago. It's uh, we need to to be more um, palatable for those that, that don't know the Lord. And so, again, the message can change and we can make the message palatable, but we don't change what the Bible has to say. You see, this is this is what you see today. You see this a lot in the white Jesus movement. Uh, progressive Christians love to yell "White Jesus" whenever they see a picture of Jesus or others that that appear white. Um, this is the case, even though Jesus was a Jew, and of course, Jews are considered white. So, so we we see these people that are saying well we we can't have white people in pictures that uh, of the bible um and and yet it's going against what actually was the case well while true uh, racial uh, reconciliation is an important outworking of the gospel i mean you can look at ephesians 2 for instance wokeness changes the gospel By teaching that white people are never able to fully repent from their actions because they're inherently racist by nature and by simply being white. (laughs) But the gospel says all have sinned and everyone can be fully redeemed through the work of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? That everyone can be fully redeemed through the work of Christ. With its different view of sin and redemption, wokeness undermines the entire gospel. This is why wokeness is not a prism by which we discover truths uh, we couldn't see in, in in a Christian worldview. Wokeness is a different system entirely than Christianity. It's it's completely different. It's, it's almost a, a 180, which, of course, is what the enemy likes to do. It is, in fact, a different gospel. But it is not really just that. In the final evaluation, wokeness is not just, not, not the gospel, it's wokeness is anti-gospel. It again is like a 180. What, what is meant by this? Well, first, the the apostle Paul says in in Colossians two eight, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. That's uh, obviously. Colossians 2.8. This means believers need to guard their hearts and minds and not be taken captive by false philosophies. Wokeness represents a man-centered gospel that takes others captive through legalism rather than by setting them free in the grace of Christ. In other words, wokeness says that only your works can save you but you can never actually accumulate enough works to satisfy its requirements. In fact, many progressive Christians don't believe that you can or really even need to be saved at all, that there is no hell to be saved from even. So, doing these acts of wokeness is our God-given purpose. That's what they believe. So, How do we respond to unbiblical ideologies? Well, wokeness calls into question the sovereignty of God and contradicts scripture by saying that the root of all evil is whiteness. (laughs) But of course, in, in biblical terms, white skin is not a problem. It isn't the root of all evil. White skin is not the problem in the first place. Sin is. Any time someone tells or even tries to convict and demean you for your skin color or your heritage, whatever that may be, it's just wrong and unbiblical. Woke ideology turns humans against one another, and it results in individuals being judged by the color of their skin and the status in society rather than the content of their character or the status in the eyes of God. Because questions of race and ethnicity are so closely tied to woke ideology and CRT, wokeness goes against what the Old Testament and New Testament have have to say about our Identity as human beings. Genesis teaches that all humans are equally part of one human race. Not just black lives that are mattering, it's all lives that matter, and that's not a racist statement. Although we may have, you know, different skin tones, we may have languages or ethnicities that distinguish us. We are all human beings who are made in the image of God, and we know that from Genesis 1. Now further, the doctrine of the fall, not the doctrine of CRT, explains the fractured relationships present in in humanity. It, It is not the difference between our skin colors that make us misunderstand or betray or abuse one another but the sin that infects us all one tragic consequence of the fall is that the sin of of racism is there which is is one uh one way that humans wrongly show partiality partiality against each other god is not elitist and and shows no partiality to anyone, as the Apostle Paul frequently discusses in his letters. I mean, you can look at Romans 2.11, you can look at Romans 10.2, Galatians 2.6, Ephesians 6.9. I mean, you can look at all these, and you can see that he frequently discusses this. In the New Testament also um, demonstrates how everyone can be united and reconciled in Christ through the gospel message. I mean, you can turn to Ephesians 2.14. You can Go to Second uh, Corinthians 5, uh, just those two to see that. But God desires that. He ultimately des- d- desires every tribe and tongue and language to be united in Christ, to form the household of God. That's Ephesians 2, Revelation 5, uh, you know, Revelation 7, 9, Revelation 21, 3. I mean, I could, you could go on. Now distinctiveness is not a bad thing as is in in truth a gift and blessing of God and and unity can coincide and 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 will in heaven. I mean you may you may say that all Christians believe that. Well, there may be a, a pastor here or there that that goes off the rails but it can't possibly be something that becomes mainstream or or biblical theology. Well, <laughs> I, I I beg to differ, <laughs> and let me give you an example. Uh, here's uh, an article uh, from uh, Megan Basham. She's uh, a uh, reporter for the Daily Wire, and and she reports this. It says on November seventeenth, Adam Greenway, president of the Southern Baptist Theology Seminary, uh, in in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, did something rarely seen in the world of evangelical leadership. He publicly criticized another Baptist institution, tweeting out a letter that he'd sent to Michael Sprawlin, president of the Memphis uh, Mid-American Baptist uh, Theological Seminary. Now, so you have these two leaders of these two different seminaries. And one says, quote, I write to you with extreme disappointment. That the institution you led has plans to host a film premiere of enemies within the church. Greenway is is the one that was writing this, and he says, placing uh, scare quotes around uh, the the film premiere in, in in his letter was basically signifying that he didn't even think this was an actual film. <laughs> It was, it was just a, a hit piece or something, right? He goes on, he says, the f- the film's trailer contains campus footage of the institution I am privileged to lead, overlaid with narrative instructions of Marxism. <laughs> I kind of wish I'd seen this, but um, I, I take strong umbrage to such scandalous and uh, scurrilous slander, particularly when it is apparently condoned by, the inst- by an institution such as yours, unquote. Now, Greenway finished by asking uh, sprodlin uh, to, re- to reconsider his decision to show the movie. Now, this, this post was shared and, and jeered by hundreds of Christian leaders and journalists and even authors many with you know blue checks by their name and and washington post bylines in their in their bios but but sprandlin he he was not really deterred by this and which was kind of interesting his his office fired back with a statement saying that the school was very concerned about the evidence of creeping liberalism the film presents we believe southern baptists under the guidance of the holy spirit are wise and are able to arrive at the conclusion that glorifies our Lord and advances the gospel. Documented information and concerns should be considered instead of suppressed. That's a thought, right? Sprattled, uh finished by quoting the pastor and author uh, Adrian Rogers, and he says, quote, It is better to be divided by truth than united in error. That's a great quote. I love that. It is better to be divided by truth than united in error. The film screen went on as planned. <laughs> so neither Greenway nor anyone else uh, applauding his calls to cancel the showing of enemies within the church uh, offered uh, you know counter explanations to the detailed and extensive evidence that the film presents that individuals... Motivated to, you know, promote a leftist agenda, have taken up influence, influential posts within evangelical institutions. So this this movie is calling out some of these things and is saying that that uh, that some of this leftist type of um, ideologies have have infiltrated uh, even within the church ranks. Now, from the outset, it seems, and it, and it, and it must be noted that this is a documentary. That wears its agenda on its sleeve. I mean, it, it's not trying to hide anything. It doesn't pretend to be neutral, uh, journalistic in, in investigation or anything like that. But rather, it is is sometimes more like a carefully argued court case that comes complete with a detailed bio, uh, biography. Um, and, and 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 the and the case, in the words of one of the interview subjects, is that some. Of Americans' foremost evangelical leaders have gone from communicating the Bible to souls to transforming social structures. So that's more of their agenda. The best service enemies within the church uh, renders viewers is the historical context it offers for the ideological shifts people in the pews are are seeing today. It it broadens the the scope. Of the discussion beyond current headlines on critical race theory and and white privilege to their foundational philosophies of socialism and and communism uh, of which these buzzwords are only the latest costume the film persuasively trait traces how in the 1930s communists tried to subvert catholic ministries and from there the film moves on to the 1970s and how A who's who of progressive Christian intellectuals and professors came together to draft the Chicago uh, uh, Declaration, a document that argues for attacking American materialism and the maldistribution of the nation's wealth and services. In, in, In full, the Declaration reads like a premiere from the social justice lingo that we hear from so many um, you know, pupils today, particularly in its assertions that Christians must rethink our values regarding our present standard of living and and promote a more uh, just uh, you know um, antiquated and and, and, uh, and a complete distribution of the world's resources. Now, the same playbook that the film argues is playing out now in evangelical, uh, educational institutions under the guise of identity politics. We see how deeply seminaries like Fuller and Wheaton have already been compromised by the the priorities of social justice over biblical justice and how leaders educated at the most, at, the, at these institutions are carrying what they learned uh, to once conservative institutions like Baylor or Biola. <laughs> There we see invited speakers discuss how white people need to be, uh, they need to to abstain from their privilege, like vegetarians abstaining from meat or something, right? The message today, uh, narrative, Carrie Gordon, a, a pastor himself explains, quote, is not that you need to receive Christ to repent of your sins. It's that you're under the weight of sexism racism, and homophobia, unquote. See, you may say that all of this is just academic infighting that has little impact on regular folks in real churches. Well, let's take the disturbing example of how members of the the First Baptist Church, Naples, were treated when they voted against a black candidate to take over as senior pastor, Though his application came with strong support from the National uh, Southern Baptist Convention um, and and the leaders there, many church members were concerned that Marcus Hayes had uh, uh, recommended progressive books like Woke Church and tweeted praise for Vice President Kamala Harris and endorsed ideas like reparations. And he also did not meet the requirements the Pastoral Search Committee had originally laid out for a new senior pastor. Well, a group of, of 30 to 40 longtime church members circulated a petition that received 800 signatures calling for a meeting to discuss those issues, as well as their concern that their 27-year-old former you know, head pastor had been pushed out and maligned in order to make way for Hayes. Now, they, they never got their meeting, but nonetheless, Hayes failed to meet the vote threshold to win the job. And in response, the church's leadership excommunicated 18 people who led the vote against him. They then released a statement blaming racism on Hayes' inability to secure 85% of the ballots. Quote, a portion of the 19% that voted against Marcus Hayes did so out of racial injustice or prejudice the executive pastor proclaimed uh, th- this this particular thing adding it exposed a sickness in what we characterize as a cancer in our fellowship the biggest names and most influential influential national leaders in the Su- southern baptist council they they basically said the same thing, that all of these guys were basically just racists for doing what they did. Now, except there was never an iota of real evidence that any of the church members who voted against Hayes were motivated by racial animus. Yet, their motives and character were maligned in major newspapers across the country, with the help of the biggest megaphone in the nation's largest Protestant denomination, one of the excommunicated deacons, his name is uh, Bob uh, Cudell, and and he said um, that that he came out against this. He he's he's been a member of this church for fifty years, and he literally begged uh, that the uh, the denomination to retract uh, their accusations of bigotry. And none of them decided to respond to him at all. Now, everyday Christians want to know why they're hearing major pastors using the language of critical race theory. And and speaking of a bag of privileges, white people carry around with them as as mega church pastors, uh, Matt Chandler did. They 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 want to know why people like like these leaders of the Southern Baptist Council. They they endorse the ideas and the idea that the members of the First Baptist of Naples were racist without any clear evidence for that charge. They they want to know why Southern uh, Seminary. New Testament professor Jarvis Williams seemed to suggest that theological textbooks must be diversity and must have and meet diversity requirements. When he called for the decolori- uh, decolorization of seminary curriculum from whiteness. These are all things that are happening. There's certain there certain certainly are actors subtly and not so subtly working to introduce a different gospel of social justice into evangelical institutions more more common failings than being wolves in sheep's clothing could account for why some pastors presidents and even ministry leaders don't do more to stop it the great sin of adam passively comes foremost to mind there's there's also simply the desire to hang on to Hard-won positions. I mean, men who have spent an entire lifetimes building up institutions and institutional respect aren't often eager to to risk it by stirring up a hornet's nest with angry, energetic social justice warriors in their twenties and thirties, right? But whenever the cause, you know, whatever the cause, whatever the concerns are over over the the wokeness in the church, um, it, it it's. It will not be dispelled by simply ignoring or suppressing what what we see happening. Like, like so many things in American life, the solution is not less speech, but more. It isn't in demanding that film screenings be canceled, but that the issues that they bring up be really answered. So what should our response be to wokeness? Well, how how can christians respond to woke ideologies in in a biblical way we cannot fall silent is the answer we have to speak out against ungodly ideology although christians ought to recognize racism sinfulness and 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 the necessity for repentance for racist thoughts or actions or attitudes i mean there is such thing as racism they they should also recognize that certain groups of people are not inherently racist simply because of the color of their skin. Second Peter says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as they were as, as will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them bringing upon themselves swift, swift destruction and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. May we heed these timely uh, words and these timely warnings, and put on the full armor of God, and stand firm against these unbiblical Ideologies. Now you may agree and you may disagree. I would definitely love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always go to uncommon sense This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.